this week you're not listening to the wrong podcast and i know what you're thinking i'm not listening to uh wdns weeknights uh between eight and midnight <laughs> where it's late night with alice cooper who hosts a show no you're listening to talk nerdy to me it's a very special episode there's a reason that we're not live on wednesday night there's a reason that we're saving this episode for oh nine one three one nine because it is a friday the 13th I thought that was where everybody else was going to talk for a second. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's cool. I made, I made a woo noise, and Peacock started doing the, 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 uh, the chant, whatever yeah. it's called. So, um, since these basically, <coughs> excuse me, I'm all choked up because I'm so excited. It's my favorite non-holiday holiday uh, related there to you it's Every not, nerd holiday. Yeah, it's not a yeah. real holiday, but... It, it's like May the 4th. Like, it isn't really yeah. a holiday, but it is. Hey, you be quiet about Smash Mouth's All-Star Day. <laughs> May the 4th, which is the greatest nerd day in the history of the world. Uh, no, no, it's the day where we celebrate the greatest doctor in Doctor Who history, which is, of course, the fourth doctor. Yeah. Tom Baker made the fourth... Doctor. Doctor. Be with you. That's, yeah. what it's, that's, what, that's what it means. Yeah. Y'all have both just royally fucked up. We all know that it's the best day of the best non holiday nerd day of the year is second Christmas, as my brother calls it for me, WrestleMania Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty close. Um, uh, I know that I sent you guys a Snapchat, but in case anybody's listening, um, and I told this to Koran before we started. Nine-year-old me is is the happiest person in the world because it's Friday the thirteenth. I'm talking to my best friends and I'm eating a bowl of blueberry cereal. I am uh, so insanely jealous like of your blueberry because no one unless it has them yet. Oh my gosh, man! We went to Sam's Club over the weekend to bulk buy basically paper towels and toilet paper, which is all you do mm-hmm. at Sam's Club. Uh, mm-hmm. And meat, for some reason, those are like the only three things you can buy in bulk. <laughs> uh, and laundry detergent, and we got 42 pounds of cat litter. Don't even ask. Uh, but they have the three-pack of cereal boxes that is Count Chocula, uh, Booberry, and Frankenberry shrink-wrapped together. Man, it's like five I would bucks. do terrible, terrible things to somebody for that. Well, uh, you know, good to know. Uh, <laughs> good to know. I mean, I'm not gay, but... Three pack of yeah, Halloween cereal. Three pack of Halloween cereal. Frankenberry is Frankenberry. Uh, so, nine year old me is super excited, but I'm also super excited because, like we said, it's Friday the thirteenth, which means we got to do something special. We can't just have a regular old episode of Talk. Oh Nerds no, me. we're going all out this week. This is an all Friday the thirteenth episode of Talk Nerdy to Me. Both topics, uh, the entire show. All we're doing is Friday the 
Yes. And I couldn't be more. I just want to say, like, two years ago, this would be the show where I'm like, yeah, I'm out, guys. Do your thing. Have fun. No. Uh, but thanks to you assholes and yeah. Shudder, um, I am now 110% on board for this. I cannot wait to get into this. And uh, uh, I think I, I think this might be our next Zelda debate. Uh, ooh. Maybe, maybe not this week, but um, I've had some heated which is the best installment of the oh. series debate. So I'm thinking maybe that might be the next Zelda thing. I think we can all agree that it's not part eight, which we tried to yeah. fix a few weeks yeah. ago. <laughs> you're gonna have a hard time definitely not you're gonna have a hard time swaying me away from part three um whoever's really yeah. three okay most people go four uh yeah oh no no i think four is way overrated um but i think three is the sweet spot uh but the question okay. on everybody's mind that we actually have an answer for is from part six and beyond what does jason Voorhees smell like and i believe it is this it smells like Bunch of farts got in a fight. I believe that is what Jason Voorhees smells like. There will be, uh, I'm hoping to find that uh, Jason Voorhees uh, scented candle this weekend. Uh, it's scary. No, now. it smells like a bunch of farts got in a fight. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not going to use it for myself. It's a gift. Don't. Yeah. Um, but as we, as we know, all three of us are big Friday the 13th fans. Uh, you know, I've got the uh, the hockey mask that is signed by many Jasons and the Jason Voorhees candy dish that will make its debut, um, a re-debut on Halloween uh, this year for all the, the little chitlins to come around and get their candy. Uh, I know, Koron, you're a big fan of Friday the 13th. And there was one day yeah. I was actually visiting. And we were trying to find a movie to watch, and we both were just like, yeah, throw on a Friday the 13th movie. Because it was just a movie that we're like, we both really like all the Friday the 13th movies. Throw one on. I do believe uh, that same weekend, it was, insert, random convention here. Yeah. We watched, yeah. like, because it was stuff that we didn't mind, like, just talking over. So I think we watched part five one night and then part seven another night. That might have been uh, a Thanksgiving visit. Oh, that may have been. That may have been been one of the Chris and Chris do Thanksgivings. Yeah. Uh, Now, due to pending litigation from the Butterball Turkey Corporation, we're not allowed to do those. (laughs) Uh, Because one year we took uh, do Thanksgiving a little too literally. So the Butterball Corporation, never mind. I can't talk about its pending litigation. We'll get to Mm -hmm. that at some point. You've already said too much. Yeah, I know. When the documents come out uh, in the public, it's a a federal case. So all the documents are sealed right now, but they will come out. Um, so, but yeah, uh, and John, I know you have been, uh, getting into Friday the 13th, uh, and if anyone follows your Instagram, uh, they know that, uh, move over, uh, pee pants gritten, there is a new <laughs> Jason Voorhees in town, and he's the talk nerdy to me official Jason Voorhees OB John. Well, first of all, shout out to P. Pants Gritten, uh, <laughs> because he has helped a tremendous deal putting this costume together. Uh, but yes, come see us at ScaryCon, sorry, The ScareFest uh, this weekend. I'll be debuting on Friday the 13th, my brand new Jason Voorhees costume. And if you're thinking, but John, I've already seen your posts on Facebook and Instagram. Well, I have news for you, my friend. That's not the final costume. Oh, that is like the rough draft costume. That's not the final hawk. That's not the final hood. The shirt hasn't been distressed yet. There's a couple props not on that. So the 
that was just a quick, I need to get this photo shoot out of the way. So I have something to post kind of thing. Uh, and shout out to uh, Scott Cox, uh, my official unofficial life photographer, <laughs> doing that set out in our buddy's backyard and scaring all the neighbors. Um, I just but, want to uh, know, I'm at half chub that you're using terms like a hawk and uh, all this stuff. Like you're using like <laughs> real terms, and it, it's giving it's making give me a half chub. Like, look, I'm, I might be a late convert to the amazingness that is Friday the Thirteenth and, and horror movies in general. But you know me when when I get into something, I go hardcore. Yeah. Um, I also have a special treat uh, for everybody because, you know, you did say that we're going to have some Friday the 13th topics tonight. Um, mm -hmm. I'm also at the end of the episode going to give the latest on the Friday the 13th uh, lawsuit and where that Ooh. stands. And uh, if there is a projected end date, there is uh, that we can <gasps> share with everybody. Uh, so... You know, stay tuned for that. But we've got a bit to go. As you said, you can come see us at uh, Scary, what we call ScaryCon, The Scarefest, uh, thescarefest.com for all your information on that. Uh, you've got, uh, it starts, what, there's like a preview party thing Thursday night and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep, so you can, you can pick up your tickets starting at, I believe, noon on Thursday if you've pre-ordered. Um, and then that night, uh, I should know details. I think it's at like eight or nine o'clock is the kickoff party at Sky Lounge, uh, and down, sorry, beautiful historic downtown Lexington. Yeah. Kentucky. Um, it's, it's Sky Bar. Thank you. Sky Bar. Sky Bar. I knew I was getting something wrong. Um, yeah, it's Sky Bar here downtown in Lexington. That's the, the kickoff party, um, where you and all the other, crazies can hang out and get your drink on and get hyped up and then at 3 p.m friday uh vips get in and 4 p.m friday doors are open for everyone uh goes till nine o'clock friday and then it is like 9 a.m to 10 p.m on saturday uh long so one. yeah i mean well it is but you are going to get your money's worth out of that ticket, let me tell you. That's a long time to shop and see celebrities. Uh, you can still, as of today, I'm checking right now, there are still photo ops available. It's only $50. That's a steal. Yeah, that's a pretty uh, good price. I mean, yeah. yeah. Saturday is 10 a.m. to 9 p.m. Thank you. Jeez. Thank you. 11 hours. VIP is at 10, and... Uh, general admission at 11. Never mind, I did the math wrong. 10 hours. 11 if you're a VIP. <laughs> math is it's hard. a long day. I've been doing math all day at my job. I can't be doing math at the end of the day. Uh, but do check the website. Um, there have been a couple cancellations. Yeah. Um, uh, Sid Haig, obviously, is having some medical issues. So even though he hasn't officially... Uh, told them he's not coming. They're just planning out I'm not being there. Uh, his table will be there if you want to leave uh, any kind of you know, tribute or flowers or anything. Just to, you know, wish him well. Uh, but there are a handful of, of people who they'll be there, but they're limited to when because of filming obligations. Yeah. I think uh, John Kassir and close personal friend have... John Kassir. Yes, <laughs> um, who we will be hearing from in just a few short weeks, I believe. Oh yeah, um, on the show. Yeah, dear um, friend of the show. But most importantly, Tom Matthews, uh, the dreamiest Tommy Jarvis, uh, will still be there. 
Uh, so I will definitely be first in his line. Yeah. Uh, uh, if you don't yeah. think, by the way, if you don't think that he's going to get left a uh, talk nerdy to me card with an email address <laughs> on it to set up an interview, uh, God, yes, you you're you're you don't know us at all. I just want him to sign my autograph. Come on, maggot head. <laughs> Come on, chicken shit. I love it. That we're excited or anything? I know, right? Uh, uh, no, there, there's a ton of uh, of great guests. Um, you know, Tom Matthews, one of them. Uh, Bruce Campbell, uh, Ryan Ramey, Lori Petty, yeah, Ryan Hurst, and uh, Tommy Flanagan from uh, Sons of Anarchy. I'm going to try and get some of that Flanagan money from him to me. <laughs> uh, spelled differently, I don't think he'll notice. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens, but, uh, no, there's something for, that's the thing I love about Scarefest is it's, it's labeled as a horror and paranormal convention, but literally like there's something for everybody. There's a guest or a vendor or something for everybody. And I mean, they, they've always treated us you know, so well, everybody there has always treated us so well from the celebrities to, uh, I mean, Joe Bob Briggs read us a story last year. Uh, yeah. I mean, what a great, that is my, that has supplant, supplanted, um, uh, Ernie Hudson as my favorite celebrity meet, uh, was Joe Bob Briggs. Yeah. He like, was, he is, he is now my bar top. He was oh, so that's... nice. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a tough question. Yeah. <laughs> and that's saying a lot because Ernie Hudson is fucking I guess at the end of the day I'd always like just because of the story that goes with it I always have to go with Randy Orton yeah <laughs> so I just I don't think I can top that like so I think my favorite uh, celebrity interaction that I've ever had and I'm going to tie this back to our show today Dan Outer. Uh, no no better than that oh. Oh. Uh, to the late great Steve Dash Mm. Uh, the day that he, uh, that he held a machete to my neck, uh, for a photo. And uh, it was a real machete that he had only moments before plunged into the wooden desk at the radio station (laughs) to show that it was real. And then he used it to pick up my hockey mask. And literally the quote was, and I guess you want me to sign this piece of shit, huh? (laughs) <laughs> and he threw it back down on the desk, and I was like, yes, please. And then we all got a picture, and he's like, someone needs to come in front, like to be in the front, in front of all of us. And he just grabs me, and he's like, you, and he pulls me close and holds the machete to my neck, and I just went, take the picture, because he was literally <laughs> holding the machete to my neck. I don't know if I'll ever have a, a celebrity interaction as crazy as that one. Uh, rest his soul, Steve Dash was one of a kind, and I I loved him dearly. That that was the day you learned it's possible to poop your pants and get a boner. At the yeah, same time. like that was a day that I was like, okay, I'm wearing my dark khakis. Thank goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then I immediately left because that was the same day uh, I left there, went to Best Buy and bought the uh, the the Friday the Thirteenth tin Blu-ray set nice. that came out uh, same day. So um, that was a that was a crazy good, and it was actually on Friday the Thirteenth. It was a great. Friday the thirteenth for me. But I need to tell you, you know that tin's worthless now. You should probably just give it to me. I know, right? It's worth like three hundred. But <laughs> the only thing I did, the only the only thing that sucks about mine is I uh, I sold the digital code, uh, mm. so I don't have that. But like literally, it's got everything else in it. 
uh, and the, the tin's in like immaculate shape. So I, at some point, I probably I, I kind of want to bring it to Scarefest and see if someone will buy it, but I doubt somebody. Oh, uh, somebody will. Do you think so? Oh yeah, it's the perfect venue for it. Somebody will. I might I might bring it with me and just you know see if it uh, you know one of these mm-hmm. vendors and just be like, hey, I'll trade you for this. If I see, no, no, no. here's what you do. Here's what you do. Here's yeah. what you do. You set it up at your, clearly visible. Yeah. Oh, everyone who walks by can see it. Motherfucker. And then don't put a price on it at all. Yeah. So when somebody asks, "Hey, is that the Friday Thirteenth?" Uh, yeah, it's not for sale. Yeah, and then but but before then, I have uh, I have two days to uh, rot out all my teeth. Uh, go get a cup. <laughs> go go get a pair of uh, overalls from Walmart and uh, rip the shit out of them, and then uh, just be a dick. In the next yep. few days, I got that part down. But everything else I need to yeah. do in the next couple of days, uh, so I can complete the uh, uh, dipshit redneck uh, vendor cosplay that I'll be doing. There you go, uh, son of a bitch. Uh, <laughs> that was a lot of venom that I just spilled. It's okay, it's uh, okay. Tell us how you really feel, I know, right? I hope that uh, uh, I hope. No, that, that guy deserved it. Don't be that. Don't be that asshole. If you're a vendor, yeah. don't put shit at your your table that you don't want to sell. Because, Don't be that asshat. Because I wasn't even going to ask. Somebody pointed it out to me and was like, that guy <clears> got <throat> it on his table. And and I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll ask about it because it's on his table. Yeah, if you're a vendor, either everything's Damn. for sale or nothing's for sale. There's yeah. no pick and cheese, man. Asshole. I felt I felt like an asshole because I told you I was like, hey man, that that guy has that Jason you've been looking for. So like we circled back around to his table. Yeah. And then like you asked him and it was just this, oh, well this guy's an like this guy's a douchebag scenario. And I just stood I just stared at him for a second and I was like, seriously? And he's like, Yeah, man, I just got it. And I was like I just turned and walked off. I didn't even want to say anything else to that piece of shit. I just wanted to turn around and go. No, that's perfectly like again, again. If you're at a convention, either everything in your booth is for sale or nothing is for sale. That includes children works. and spouses. Yeah, if they are sitting uh-huh. on the table. They are fair uh-huh. game. It's on the Make table. It. It's up for it's up for grabs. Man. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Flanagan can, in fact, uh, verify that I tried to buy that baby at the five you second uh, <laughs> five second movie booth last year. I was trying to buy that baby. You asked. Uh, you you said uh, I believe your quote was I don't see a price tag on this baby. How much is it? <laughs> and, that's kind of tough questions. Yeah, right? I mean, that, well, that's the why you're here. Ones. You went to the Bobby Heenan School of Broadcast Journalism. You ask the tough questions, my friend. Sure. All I can think of now is that scene from Blues Brothers. Uh, <laughs> no, wait a minute. How much? I want to buy them. How much is the baby? That's all I want to know. Okay. Anyway. Let's steer this. Let's steer this ship back on course. Uh, from oh, yeah, this Lake ship. New York. Exactly. Yep. This ship is headed towards Manhattan. Damn it. You stole my line. <laughs> That's why we're all friends. Uh, so our first topic today is going to be a really easy one. Um, what twelve movies and counting is your favorite installment of the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, and why? TV show. All I heard was show. A joke. Oh no, I was just making a joke about the TV series. Boo yeah. this man. Boo. Boo Ernst? Are you saying boo or boo Ernst? <laughs> I was saying boo Ernst. Yes, <laughs> Hans Bowman. That's a terrible. Who wants to go first? Hans Bowman. I will go first. I'll set the tone. Do I it. Don't mind. All right. 
Friday the 13th, part three, is my favorite. It used to be part four. It used to be part six. I will tell you why I appreciate. I have grown to appreciate. Flip-flopper. I am. I'm, a, I'm the John Kerry of everything. I'm the, <laughs> that's a dated reference for all you millennials. Uh, so, thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all show. Uh, part, part four used to be my favorite. Part six after that, I, I appreciated part six a whole lot more. I've come back around on part three. Here's why. Not only is it a soft spot in my heart because it's the debut of the hockey mask, it is where Jason, as a character, you know, hits those hits those popular tropes that he is now famous for. Uh, Richard Brooker uh, was the perfect guy to play Jason being equal parts, you know, agile and menacing and just an unstoppable force. Uh, the characters are great. Uh, Shelley Finkelstein, uh, despite being Jewish is great. Uh, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, uh, that was, that was just a joke. Uh, Shelley Finkelstein is great. Uh, you have the, uh, not quite, uh, Tommy Chong, uh, you have, uh, you know, uh, the, the biker gang, which is a really cool, interesting, uh, addition, uh, with, uh, Fox and the other two whose names I can't remember from the, the biker gang. The addition of 3d is fun. If not at this point, useless because the 3d that they used at the time, doesn't really uh, have a practical application now. It's really hard to find the equipment. The 3D screenings are very, very rare, but it does add a little bit of extra fun. And tell me you did not recoil in equal parts disgust and appreciation of the guy who was walking on his hands getting uh, cut with the machete from above. That kill is amazing. That kill is super fun. Um, it just, it had the harpoon to the eye, uh, really, really cool kills. Um, you know, just a, a, the, the setting is great with the barn. It's super cool. Um, I've just, I've come to appreciate Friday the 13th part three, not only with its disco theme, uh, but it is a, at its core, it is a fundamentally great slasher movie not just a great Friday the 13th movie. It hits all of the, at the time they weren't slasher movie tropes, but they have since become slasher movie tropes. And, uh, you know, it just, Jason hits his stride. It's just such a great all in all movie. So I've come to appreciate it so much. Uh, I love it a lot. It's got, uh, it, it, it hits the booby scale, which is good. Uh, it measures on the booby scale, so that, that Joe Bob scale, yeah. So that helps for me uh, that I know that there's some uh, some nippleage coming, keeps me in, entertained, um, and it's got characters that, despite most of them being so painfully one dimensional, uh, I still am attached to them. I still really like them, and uh, it's just it's fun. It's just a fun kind of old school, not quite campy slasher. But it's just, it's a lot of fun. So, I know, right? No pun intended on the campy slasher. But, uh, no, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I, I love it a lot. So, part three, three is, become my favorite. Three is great. And, and like you said, there's something to be said for, I mean, that's the movie where 
it all comes together. Like when you say Friday the Thirteenth, Jason Voorhees. When you, when you say that, you know people imagine that in their head. If you're watching one and two, you're not quite there. Three's where it, it like that all comes together, and like this is the franchise as it will come to be known. In a lot of ways, that's kind of your origin movie. Sorry, eating blueberry. Um, it it's is. Like, I don't know if I lost you or no, okay. Sorry, I was chewing some blueberry. You're you're right. It is. It's kind of like they decided at that point that they were like, this is going to be something. It's not just a movie and a sequel. Like we're going to do something with this. So we're establishing everything about this character going forward. So it sets a lot of the rules that Jason would then play with for uh, the next that movie, the next movie, and beyond. I also love that uh, I was watching uh, Crystal Lake Memories the other day, uh, which, by the way, fantastic documentary. Oh, my gosh, it's so good. Uh, it, it's it's one of a handful of documentaries where I'm like, yep, that satisfied my my Because usually if I watch a documentary about a making of a movie, I'm like, yeah, I want more. It uh, barely touched the surface. I want, I want more. Uh, this one, no, it's, what, like five hours long? Uh, no, Covers every single movie up like, to date to the franchise? It's like 11 hours long. Is it really? Yeah, I know, it's, it's, I know it's super fucking long. It's two Blu-rays, and it covers all 12 movies plus merchandising and, and the TV show and all that stuff. Yeah, it's like 11 and a half hours long. But, so the segment in when they're talking about the third movie literally is just everyone taking credit for the hockey mask. Yeah. Producers, directors, writers, uh, effects guys, costume, like everyone takes credit for the mask. And everyone has a story of how it was it was them who came up with the mask. It's like that's that's one of those things that has become like just Hollywood legend. Uh like we'll we'll never know who really came up with it first, but it doesn't really matter. Like the stories are more fun at this point. The the part that made me so sad again, sorry, Booberry. Um is like what happened to the mask after shooting because Paramount is that um is that company, that studio that takes the absolute worst care of props and set pieces. That's what I've learned. Is Paramount is the absolute worst. And so with the original hockey mask from part three, what they did was it apparently sat outside like pinned to a stake outside the Paramount offices for years and years and years. And it got all sun damaged and cracked and it it like doesn't exist anymore because they kept such terrible, terrible care of it. So there's a topic for another show. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Classic, uh, props and what's become of them. Cause I don't know if you've heard what happened to the Orca. No, I haven't. Oh, no. Oh, my oh, God. I'll save that. For yeah, don't that. tell me because we need to talk about that. Um, yes, we do. But, yeah, that was um, uh, that was a super sad story. Is they're like, I don't know who created it, but I know what happened to it. Is it got just damaged by the sun after decades of being outside, just like in the California sun year round. And it just like it broke apart and like it, it's just it doesn't exist anymore. Like it, it eventually someone just threw it away. Which is such a That's shame. Too bad. Uh, but no one wants to take credit, or everyone wants to take credit for creating it, but uh, no one wanted to actually take care of it. So That's why we can't have nice things. <laughs> Paramount. <laughs> no. 
So uh, don't ask me why, because I'm not going to expand on this, but uh, uh, I ended up watching, uh, well, it was on the TV while I was in the room, that um, renovating the Brady Bunch house first episode (laughs) special. Don't judge me. Um, But uh, from one of the, the original pieces that they got when they were restoring the house was the original horse from one of the movies. Cause there's like, there's this like horse statue and the guys like one of the property brothers idiots was like, I went to the paramount, uh, you know, whatever, uh, inside their vault to go with the, uh, to get this original prop. And like out loud, I said, watch this. It's going to be fucked up. And he's like, it's missing two legs and it's all broken apart, but they still had it in a box. And I'm like, they don't take care of anything because that was from the late 90s when they made those movies. And they can't keep track of something from 1997. And it's like, it was like really damaged. Uh, so yeah, the one thing that I've learned throughout history is that if, you ha- if you're a Paramount movie, when you're done rapping, all of your props are going to turn to shit. Because they're not going to take care of them whatsoever. To be fair, a lot of movie props are that way because they're not movie props are not meant to be a permanent thing. Like they're made for a shoot for a movie and then they're 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 done. Uh, Warner Brothers, I think, is one of the few places that really kind of tries to take care of stuff for certain movies anyway. Uh, like there's a whole department now, uh, Warner Archives, that just does restorations of props and costumes. Um, but if you're a fan of Batman, there's a whole like YouTube video series about them restoring like the original Keaton costume and stuff because just that rubber is starting to deteriorate just because it wasn't meant to last 30 years. It just makes uh, me sad to know that WWE has a warehouse full of those JBL $100 bills in like <laughs> mid fucking condition. That are like the most useless, stupid. The hearse that the Undertaker rode in for WrestleMania Eight is like in pristine mint condition, but the friggin' Friday the Thirteenth first hockey mask of Jason just disintegrated in the sun. Like the weirdest timeline that we could possibly live in when it comes to props. So where's this warehouse, and when are we raiding? Uh, if you like, they have a Twitter or an Instagram or something where like the guy just goes through all of the different old props. Like he's just like he's like the curator of the warehouse, and he just shows all these different old school WWE props, which is just pretty fun. They still have that insanely large uh, fist yeah. from SmackDown. Yeah, they would put it up Vince McMahon's ass, but his head is already there. So, um, you know, there's <laughs> might no room, be a little crowded. No room for the giant fist. Um, so, yeah, uh, just a bummer that uh, a really critical part of movie history. Uh, and that was also during the part where Paramount was like really ashamed of the fact that they oh, were yeah. Friday the 13th movies. Kind of like a uh, uh, new line at a point with. Um, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies where uh, they were like, yeah, they make a shit ton of money, but like, they're never going to be our marquee thing. Like we're never going to sink a lot of money into them because like, they're kind of like the redheaded stepchild, uh, which is weird. Cause literally new line is the house that Freddie built. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it just depends on like, you know, who you ask uh, and where they were at the time about how influential it was. Uh, those movies were because everyone just loved them cause they were dirt cheap to make and they made, you know, 
10 times their budget back, like over 10 times their budget back. Usually it was like 20 or 30 times their budget back. Uh, so secret of horror. So yeah, you'd put in a million dollars and you'd make, you know, 50 million back. Yeah. (laughs) Like it would be a ton. So yeah, they would, they wouldn't invest a lot into them, but you know, they, so they wouldn't take care of anything because they didn't really care about them. And they're, they're a pretty big part of movie history. Yep. That have, a lot of them have gone by the wayside. But anyway, my favorite movie of the series is part three. What do you guys got? Well, if Koran's going to say what I'm pretty sure he's going to say, I think I'm going to go next so we can go in chronological order. Oh. Okay. <clears throat> uh, well, then my favorite, uh, again, being the most recent convert fan of the series, um, Part six, Jason Lives, is my absolute favorite Friday the 13th movie because, uh, again, my opinion, uh, it is the most fun Friday the 13th movie to watch from start to finish. Uh, It's got jokes. It's got just a tongue-in-cheek tone. Like, this is Friday the 13th that absolutely knows exactly what it is, and it delivers on almost everything you expect. Um, it doesn't really rely on previous canon. In fact, it kind of retcons a bunch of shit. Like, it completely ignores five. Uh, just skips right the fuck over that. Ignores five. Yes. Uh, gives us, again, just the dreamiest Tommy Jarvis you could ever ask for with that hair and that chin. Mm. Um, coming for you, Tom. Uh, (laughs) get security now. Yeah. It's, uh, it has stuff where it's, you know, it's, Someone looks to camera and goes, do you think I'm an idiot? And then it jump cuts to a bunch of kids going, yeah. Do they like, think I'm a fart head? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> literally at one point the, the grave uh, uh, digger turns to camera and goes, some folks got a messed up sense of entertainment. Like, like, you know, winks to camera. Uh, it just, this movie knows exactly what it is. And it, it revels in being that uh, it, it harkens back a little bit to the, um, um, I can't think gothic horrors of like, you know, Frankenstein and Dracula, uh, literally we resurrect Jason by striking him with lightning. Well, and then uh, you've got like Karloff's grocery store. Yes. Uh, and... the, the, the references for horror fans are ass and furious in this movie. Yeah. Karloff, uh, Karloff's general store. Uh, the nearby town is called Carpenter. Uh, there's a couple other ones on there. It's it's nuts. Uh, literally, if you're a horror fan, there's a lot to get out of it. Um, got a cameo by Rorschach, which is crazy. Um, yeah. it's, just, it's fun. It's the kind of movie you can put on with a group of people, whether they know anything about the, the rest of the movies in the series or not. And you can follow the plot. You don't have to pay that much attention to it. Uh, it also is a first in the Friday series. It is the first Friday movie to show us Jason at camp with kids. That's true. Every other movie, it's they're getting ready for kids to come or the kids are just leaving. But this one, it's full out. Kids are there. Jason shows up. But again, great. You know, <laughs> the kids like, so what did you want to be when you grew up? Like that kind of you know, jokes keep flying. Um, it's awesome. It's the kind of movie you can watch ten times and pick up on something every time. Because you know, it's, just, it's full of in jokes and references. Um, so much fun uh, from start to finish. It delivers on. Uh, it's 
because it has Jason with, as as P Pan's grit calls it, uh, the Batman utility belt of Jason. He's got the throwing knives, the uh, the Rambo knife, the machete. Uh, in fact, the implement used to resurrect him. The uh, Tommy tears off the uh, the fence post and stabs him with it, and it gets struck by lightning. He then uses that fence post for at least three kills. I can think of. Um, it, it's just. Again, tongue firmly placed in his cheek. It's having fun. It also gives us, um, for the first time, definitive supernatural Jason Voorhees. Like, up until that point, you can kind of make an argument that Jason Voorhees is just a guy. Uh, maybe he just has a really high threshold for pain, but he's just a guy. This one, nope, it is full-on, even though they never use the word zombie, it's full-on zombie Jason, uh, where he can just do zooming. He does supernatural uh, stuff in, in feats of strength. He, he grabs a guy's hand to take his machete away and rips the guy's arm off and like, you know, just without even trying. Um, from that point on, uh, we are in zombie Jason territory where he's no longer, you know, a guy with a mask. He's now some supernatural otherworldly thing come from beyond the grave. Uh, you know, I love my monsters. Yeah. It, um, he punches Horshack's heart through him. Yes. Like, what a crazy... And that's the first kill. Like, how, it sets the tone. It has that really fun James Bond-style opening. Yeah. Uh, that's really fun. Uh, I'll tell you what I'm, what I'm dying for. Like, what I would... I would uh, much like Jason, I would chop off someone's arm holding a machete for. I think we're about to say the same thing. Is um, uh, Tom McLaughlin's uh, script... That he has uh, supposedly finished uh, yes. for a new Friday the Thirteenth sequel. Uh, I want to read it so bad. He's been like saving little little bits and pieces of it, but oh, I want to read the whole thing. I'm with you on that. I would also love to see, and it's probably never going to happen because if we're going to continue bridging about Paramount, yeah. uh, in addition to props uh, not taking care of them, uh, Paramount also apparently just loves to destroy film. Yes. Uh, I would love to see the original unrated cut of this movie. Uh, like most Friday the 13th movies, there was a huge battle between them and the MPAA for a rating. Um, they shot a lot of gory kills. The MPAA didn't like that. And a lot of that great uh, stuff ended up on the cutting room. Uh, famously so. There is This movie features a three-in-one machete decapitation yes where jason cuts off three heads with one swipe of a machete and unfortunately most of that sequence got cut because of the mpaa saying it was too gory so you see him now you see him swing and then you see some bodies fall that's all you get but there were prosthetic heads there were fake bodies there were you know like uh, uh blood spurt mechanisms it was a whole ordeal and it all got cut uh, same with pretty much every other kill in this movie um, gory than it is. And, uh, now, I do have to say, in all fairness, uh, on the Joe Bob scale, this movie does get an automatic half star deduction for no bread. Yeah, that's what which, bumps me out. What does it does suck? However, it does make this arguably the most appropriate for all ages. Right, the thirteenth movie. I think. Uh, I think that one in part eight. Um, are neck and neck for which one would be closest to be rated PG-13. 
Yeah. Um, I think part eight edges it out, but part six, yeah, with the cuts and stuff that it has, it does. It, it is. It is one of the tamer, but it does have one of my favorite kills of the entire series, and that uh-huh. is uh, the sheriff getting his back bent all the way around. Yes. Oh my god, I love that. I love that kill. I love that shot. Like it's it's awesome. So there you go for pure entertainment value. My favorite. It's a good pick. And in case you're wondering, yes, if you come see me at ScaryCon, I will be part six, Jason. Of course, yeah. Complete with Batman. <laughs> <laughs> he sent me that, and I really want to go find a cheap Adam West utility belt and redo the buckle so instead of the bat symbol, it's the hockey mask. Ah! Just put that on. That would be good. If I find it, I'll win so I'm doing it. Yeah, if you find if you find one you need to just for the joke. I mean just just piss off pee pants, yeah. Yeah. Old pee pants. Pee pants great. Ron, what do you get? I just love the fact that everyone has agreed to just call him Pee Pants Gritten. Not that uh, he's ever going to hear it. We need to manufacture Pee Pants Gritten toys that are like Woody from Toy Story where he has the pull string that's like <laughs> I I I'll try to be there, but I got a kid. Like he has like all of his catchphrases that like you you pull. It's one of those dolls that wets itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like we need to come up with like two or three more phrases, and then those are like his pull string <laughs> phrases. But it's like, man, I got a kid. I love this. This is such a great idea. That'll be that'll be the. We thought us having a good time. Yeah, that'll be the first thing in our merch store. This is the authentic <laughs> pee pants gritten doll. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, this is a tough call for me. Um, as everyone on the show knows, I have uh, a very special place in my heart for uh, Jason X. You and me both. Oh, no. it, it, it's one of my absolute favorites. But if we actually have to talk about the, the, the one I'm going to watch, Probably more than anything else. And I go back and forth in the... It's Freddy vs. Jason. Um, Ooh, interesting. One of the ones that... I have no qualms in saying I know it's not the best one in the series. I know uh, it's cheesy. um, And Jason kind of... kind. But he does have some really in it and it features uh one of my favorite over-the-top line deliveries in any movie where they're having the field party and the one guy's basically just reading off the cue card and he goes this everclear is kicking my ass no man he's drunk that's just how he talks when he's drunk uh, <laughs> no they have to. They had. They had to just lay it all out there. That way, when Jason gets splashed with it later and set on fire, no one can be like, "Well, why was that flammable? Why was that guy drinking something going to be on fire?" Um, Sounds like someone's never been to a cornfield party enough. <laughs> Personal share too much. Sorry. Yeah, good. You're good. Enough. You're good. Not enough. Um. And I, I may be a little biased because uh, I, there's no shame in this statement that I think everyone knows how I feel about Catherine Isabel. 
No, please don't listen. She's just so hot. Well, she was in uh, one of my favorite B-horror movies of all time, Ginger Snaps. Uh, oh, what's that? Oh, there's no Julian here to shit talk Ginger Snaps? Oh. <laughs> He's going to come back and shoot you. Well, I want to get that photo of when he got Ginger Snaps. <laughs> Gosh, what a great time. What a great time. I mean, yeah, and part of it is the nostalgia factor because I give uh, Freddy vs. Jason, Jason X, and Battle Royale kind of my overarching, like, discovery of and love of horror, like, it kind of roots back to those three movies. Yeah. Freddy vs. Jason. That's a good one. The entire, and it's the entire fight. Entire fight at the fucking uh, camp between Freddie and Jason's good. It's it's fun. It you know it, Catherine is a little shower scene. I was to say it does have boobies, so you know I'm in. It features Kelly Rowland wondering why her boyfriend won't text her back when she's texting him on Microsoft Excel from a phone. Uh, You're saying it hasn't aged well. She ain't no Beyonce. That's all I'm saying. You text Beyonce back. Kelly Rowland can wait. That's the Destiny's Child order, pecking order right there. Here's the funny fact about uh, Freddy versus Jason. I know I've told you guys this, but uh, for the listening audience, um, New Line technically owns the sequel. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, New Line technically owns the sequel rights to Freddy versus Jason. So despite the uh, Friday the 13th ongoing lawsuit, they could make a direct sequel to Freddy versus Jason and still use the Jason character free and clear. So you're saying there's a chance. There is, and that's the reason why if you play the Friday the 13th game, that's the reason that the Freddy versus Jason, Jason is not in there. Because technically it's owned by a different... Uh, license holder. It's owned by a different rights holder. So uh, that Jason is separate. And uh, so, yeah, they could make a sequel. It has to be a direct Freddy versus Jason sequel, but they could do it. But they're just choosing not to. And I mean, I get why, but yeah. Put, put a pin in that for now. Oh, I will. So there you have it. Uh, 12 choices. We each picked something different, which is usually what we do. Somehow, somehow we all end up, uh, picking something different, which is good. Uh, but there's no shortage of, if you like this kind of, you know, horror movie, you'll like that Jason movie. If you like that kind of horror movie, you'll like this Jason movie. Uh, there's plenty to pick from. That's for sure. Is your favorite movie? Is your favorite horror movie uh, Carrie? Well, guess what? There's a Friday the Thirteenth for that. Is your favorite horror movie something in space? There's a Friday the Thirteenth movie for that. Is your favorite horror movie something about hell demons and body possession? There's a Friday the Thirteenth movie about that. It's pretty. It's pretty flexible with all of its different uh, different things. Um, spoiler alert: Is your favorite uh, horror movie the kind where the person that you think that is doing all the killing isn't? There's a Friday the Thirteenth movie for that. 
Do you just love Corey Feldman? There's a Friday the 13th movie for that. It just goes on and on, man. Um, so, yeah, there's there's so much that Friday the 13th as a series offers. But there's also a lot that could have been, should have been, would have been, but for whatever reason, isn't. Nice segue. Did I get that segue right? See what I did there? Nailed it. Right. Nailed it. Uh, 10.0 from the Germans. Here we go. Uh, I rated myself as if I was an acrobat on that one. Uh, So the next thing and the last thing that we're going to talk about before the lawsuit update uh, that I did promise uh, is Friday the 13th ideas that... We could have, would have, should have gotten, but for whatever reason, did not. And I know, uh, I'll throw one out to start. And I know, uh, John, you and I did a, a segment on an old show in the archives that's available to the tip club, uh, where we broke down the, uh, Friday the 13th. I think it was Friday the 13th 3D. I think it was a 3D. Yeah. Um, that script, which except for like the last 10 pages, is phenomenal. Yes. And then it just kind of really falls apart and has no... Yeah, real quick. Yeah, it has no idea what the fuck it's doing at the at the end there. But uh, up until that point, it's a really strong throwback to uh, Friday the 13th of old. Uh, I'm sad that we missed out on that one. Because I think that would have been a really, really fun ride. Though, what is it like, Nick Acosta? I think I don't know if that's the guy. Sounds right. Uh, something like that. He wrote a script that, like, for a while wasn't around, and then he he just like put it up online. He was just like, "They're never gonna make it. Screw it. Uh, this is this is what I wrote, and it's like it's really, really fun to read. Very eighties. Very uh, very in the vibe of. Friday the 13th slasher movie. And that goes in my sad list of I'm it's sad. It's a great script, yeah. It's good. It's fun. It's just fun. Better than that dog shit. Um, the killer is Jason's father the whole time script that they actually almost started production on. And I'm <laughs> kind of glad that we did. Put, uh, put it in that. Yeah, it sucks. But anyway. What are you guys sad that we didn't get? I my gut reaction is always to go with the heavily rumored first Jason, Freddy first Jason versus Ash, which you know years before it even became a comic book, people were like kind of like rumblings of they were going to do a sequel. I, you know, I heard everything from like always just Ash. It was Freddy vs. Jason vs. Chucky, Freddy vs. Jason vs. Michael. Like, everyone was basically fan-casting a third. But it seems like the one that kind of, like, stuck when people really started talking about it was Ash Williams. Um, and there's things where all I want in life is, like, a five-minute back-and-forth between Ash and Freddy, just like them throwing one-liners and dad jokes at each other. 
Yeah, that that would be one for the uh, the record books because that would be funny, but also like really awesome at the same time. It's like the, you know, all three of them are fighting around, and Jason's just kind of like a guy in the triple threat, while the other two guys are like trying to chop him down, and they're like both continually just saying shit to the other person, ignoring the guy they're actually trying to beat the shit out of. It's. Something I think like made make bukus of bucks or anything like that, but like it would have basically you could have just called that fan service the movie. Yeah, the one I always kind of think and go back to. Now, according to Bruce Campbell, there were talks. It was in the works. It yeah, they had a. I can only. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I can only imagine the the. Uh, you know, gymnastics over the legal rights because those, even like the Evil Dead rights were split. Like, you know, yeah. Sam Raimi and them kind of own partial rights to the first two movies, but they don't own the third movie because that's owned by Universal. The first eight Jason movies are owned Sock by Paramount, but then they get tricky. Like, it's so you're talking about at least three different production companies that you're dealing with rights issues. So I can only imagine legally that well, tape behind. And, and well, we'll talk about it more in the uh, the legal update. But then with Friday the Thirteenth, okay. there's also um, the Friday the Thirteenth name, the Jason character, the Camp Crystal Lake setting, um, Pamela Voorhees. Like there's a lot of different owners to different aspects of Friday the 13th. Yeah. But, uh, Frank versus Jason versus Ash would have been amazing. Uh, I'd still love to see it happen. I don't care how yeah. old those guys get. Uh, and the comic book is fun. It's good. But it's just sort of, it, it, it doesn't quite scratch the itch of nope. seeing that actually come to fruition. No. Because apparently there was a, um, there's a script somewhere, but there's that, there's like an eight page treatment or a few page mm-hmm. treatment that like the leaked out. Um, and that's kind of what they used the, uh, to make the comic book. Uh, yeah, I think the comic is based on one of the scripts. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, sure there were several. So like, it did exist. And yeah, everybody has said that there were talks and like, it was going to happen before they just abandoned it because it was going to be too tough to cross all the T's and dot all the I's on it. Unfortunately. Which is a big bummer. Sadly. Yeah. Fine. What about you? Uh, I also wish that um, there's a there was an oft rumored, uh, and I believe I don't know how true this is, but this this is just what I heard. Is that at one point there was a Friday the Thirteenth movie script where it was uh, a bus of uh, a prisoner transport bus overturned in the snow uh, at Camp Crystal Lake and Jason hunted down the convicts from the bus and that script later became a wrong turn movie. Um, That's the rumor that I heard is that 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 script later was heavily modified and became a 
Because there's a wrong turn movie that's literally like a bus full of prison inmates overturns and the hillbilly family um, hunts down these prisoners. So, and when it came out, that was the big rumor going around was that the, the finished script or the proposed script for that Friday the 13th movie got edited and changed and became that wrong turn movie. So I don't know how much truth there is to it. I'm sure somebody will correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm not saying that it's fact. I'm just saying, well, that's what I heard. And I've always wanted to see a Friday the 13th movie in the snow anyway, because as, as much as it's, suggested and told based on the background information uh, that Camp Crystal Lake is in New Jersey. New Jersey sees a lot of wintry weather, and we've yet to see any of that in any of the Friday the 13th movies. So as somebody who's from somewhere near that area, it gets cold a lot and it gets snowy and it gets like unfavorable weather and it's not just summer all the time. Summer lasts like three weeks there. <laughs> so you're taking a lot of liberties where 12 movies, they're all in at summertime. So I know something happens at that camp in the winter. So show me a fucking bear. He doesn't go into hibernation. No, he doesn't. He's around to stop that teenage sexiness all the time. No, because that seems to be a very common thread. Um, one of the versions of Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash was in the winter. And the one of the ones on my list, Friday um, the 13th Camp Blood, The Death of Jason Voorhees, also took place in the winter. Uh, this was the or one of the scripts um, were intended to be a sequel to the 2000, which... I'm a fan of. Uh, I know some people are not so much, but I really enjoyed the uh, uh, the lost episode of Supernatural with uh, Sam Winchester taking on Jason Voorhees. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'd like the direction it was going in, and I would have loved to have seen the sequel to it. Unfortunately, it appears if you're playing every, I guess, except for Texas Chainsaw, I got some shitty sequels. Yeah, I got some um, crap. But uh, I would have loved to see this movie get a script that they pitched. Uh, they've, they've posted a few random pages uh, from, it doesn't give away much of the plot. Things they, they do mention, the opening sequence, or the, the sequence they've posted pages for, is in the dead of winter when Crystal Lake is literally frozen over. Uh, and some guys are playing hockey, I think, and stumble across the, see, the head or the body of the protagonist from the first movie in the reboot. Uh, just like frozen in the lake. Uh, which then leads to Jason obviously doing what Jason does. But again, in the dead of winter. I think that seems to be a very common thread if people would like to see Jason in a setting that isn't just the woods at camp. Uh, but I, that was high on my list. Projects I think we got robbed never that the one because uh, I remember hearing about one of the at one point in time was that the one that was also supposed to be like found footage? I don't think so. At least not the not the pages that were. 
Okay, because I remember hearing, uh, I think it was like bloody discussion. I think I may have even still been going to like "Ain't It Cool" news back then. <laughs> it's been a, it's been almost a decade. Forgive me, um, but at one point in time, I like they were going to do a found footage Jason movie, and I was like. Uh, it was one of those things that sounded intriguing, but also at the same time, it's like, that just sounds like it could be shit. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. You gotta have... That is your... That's enough of a gimmick to get people interested in the project. What do you have beyond just its sound footage? And like, what else are you... I'll, I'll give them credit. Um... Because uh, I know we're, I, I'm going to mention uh, something along this, this, these lines uh, when we get done. But uh, the fan film Never Hike Alone is not found footage necessarily, but it's like GoPro and like it's one guy and he's he, it's, he's basically like a Bear Gryllis kind of guy. And he's like shooting an episode of his show and it brings him to camp crystal lake and at first it like really relies heavily on the gimmick and then it kind of transitions away from that in a in a fun way um i do have some some criticisms and things i want to see i wish that i would have seen more of from that fan film but like overall especially working in that gimmick it does a pretty good job and uh, it's pretty fun it's like an hour long too it's it's pretty good I'll give him credit. I'll put him over. <laughs> huh. They got Tom Matthews to be in it. It can't be all bad. Hey. Where he, where he kind of reprises his role, but not really. Like, he's an EMT. Like, spoiler, if you haven't seen Never Hike Alone. He's an EMT driver named Tommy in the Camp Crystal Lake area. So they kind of hint that he is Tommy Jarvis, but also not really, because you would think that he would know that Jason's out there if he and they, like he acts like there's quote there's somebody out in the woods and like he's acting like he doesn't know that it's Jason. So I don't know. It's like that's kind of wishy washy. That's one of my criticisms. It's like eh, I, don't, I can't really tell what they were going for, but it's cool to see him. So I don't know. They're doing a sequel. You can ask him about that this week. I'm, I'm going to. Now, if you don't think I'm going to sit there with my notebook full of 800 questions for him, uh, you're wrong, mister. Um, but I think their trailer, I think they're doing a sequel, and I think the trailer drops on Friday the 13th. I mean, I think it dropped today. I have to check YouTube and see if it dropped today. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah. Or unseen project, kind of. Oh. So remember how I said put a pin in that? Yes, I'm. Uh, so okay. Again, uh, part six is my favorite movie. Um, we'll expand on the mythology, especially when it comes from a natural place. Uh, I love Aliens because it answers all the logical questions you have after watching Alien. Um, there is one persistent question that is yet to be answered in the 30 plus years of the, of the 13th franchise. 
We know Jason. We know Pamela. We've never met Jason's father. And it's been alluded to in some movies. It's been, I think, referenced in, in subsequent material, like the video game and whatnot. As far as I know, uh, and I'm sure you guys will correct me if I'm wrong, we've never gotten a definitive answer on who Jason's father is or why he isn't around anymore. We know his name, but we don't know anything else about him, really. In part six, the original ending, uh, the, the caretaker of the cemetery lived. He ends up that uh, he lives, and at the end of the film, we see him fixing up the gravesite uh, of Jason Voorhees that's destroyed at the beginning of the movie, and we see a mysterious shadowy figure who's described as, like, Rasputin. Oh, and the caretaker says something to him. Uh, he doesn't speak back. He just hands him uh, money, which answers the question of who the hell keeps paying to have Jason's body reburied every time he comes back. Um, and we don't quite see the figure, but we get uh, enough of a glimpse and enough of a tease that Jason's father is out there, that maybe Jason has some supernatural things going on, and maybe that's why Jason is such a special boy. Um, my biggest regret of this is I love the, the idea of introducing his father because it is just an endless sea of, of where you could take that, what you could do with that character. And albeit, yeah, some of those directions are probably not so great, but wanted to see, and I think it, it lends itself beautifully to lots of storytelling ideas. You can, um, the axed because the producers didn't tag on there a storyline that they didn't necessarily have any planned follow-up to. Which I respect um, that. I it, wish more producers and filmmakers would be that way. Yeah, to take a note, uh, future Halloween franchise, don't introduce characters if you don't have a plan for them, Man of Black. Um, yeah, fucking J.J. Abrams, don't start stuff that you don't know how you're going to end it, dick. Yeah. So I understand fully why they cut it, but I think it would have been a really interesting tease, especially if they would have had, you know, stopped and fleshed it out and had ideas going forward. Uh, but that still, I, I think that would have been really interesting. That uh, that also, you ready for this? Ready for me to blow your mind? Uh-huh, uh-huh. That also uh, would have closed a storyline from part five. Mm-hmm. Because there's a part in uh, part five where one of the sheriff's deputies is like, I know who's doing these killings, or the, the sheriff goes to the mayor, and he's like, I know okay. who's doing these killings. It's Jason Voorhees. And the mayor's like, no, we cremated him. And he turns over like an ashtray, and he's like, there's your Jason Voorhees. And it would have it would have also uh, kind of been implied that um, Elias Voorhees, which is who his father, what his father's name is, um, had paid the caretaker to, to swipe the body so it did not get cremated mm-hmm. to be buried um, like a like every good boy should be buried and not cremated. Um, so it, it's, it's kind of it, it, it also would have closed the loophole of why in the previous one are we saying that he was cremated, but then he's actually buried. And so it would have kind of uh, it was kind of designed also to fill that gap of, well, the caretaker was bought off. And so he kind of like he just swapped out the bodies. And so that way, real Mm -hmm. Jason could be buried 
and get a proper Christian funeral. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. No, again, I mean, like I said, this easily could have been a trap or to of where you know explaining too much about the character takes away the mystique of the character. Yeah. Um, you know, we don't necessarily need every question about Jason where he's answered. We don't need to know why or how necessarily he keeps coming back. We just enjoy the fact that he does. Yes. Um, so yeah, you could have easily gone too far down the explain everything route and and just neutered the character. Um, but I just think it would have been really, especially if his father had some kind of links to like the occult. Uh, you know, just implying that is enough of an answer. How does he keep coming back? Just well, okay, maybe his dad did. I uh, could have been an interesting way to go. Also, again, could have fallen into the pitfall, and we have a great or terrible example of, of going too far that direction with the Halloween series with the whole. Thorn cults, uh, Avi Akkad, uh, that's his name. Uh, the, the Akkad produced, yeah, is it, uh, four, five, and six? Yep. Uh, of Halloween, where it goes way too far down that route and it's kind of like, is that what this character is about, guys? So. Yeah. Um, and then you had that script that they almost made where his father was just the, uh, like a, very Jason-esque killer that was just kind of a roll your eyes. Like we did this in part five where we thought it was Jason, but it's not. And the fans revolted and to this day still have very, very, very strongly mixed opinions on it. Why do you want to try and do that again? Paramount, this is why you dumb. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the lazy route to go is okay. Jason's dead, but um, yeah, I, yeah, I hate it. I hate that yeah. idea. I hate that concept. I don't think fans would have liked that. You're right. No. Uh, but I'm with you. Like I loved the uh, the O nine, the uh, the re. They wouldn't. They would never go on record as to call it the reboot. Like they called it like the reimagining re. <laughs> like they they came up with like fifty thousand like re words. Because they didn't like a reinterpretation, a retelling, a re whatever. Like they just they wouldn't say reboot, even though it was basically whatever. Yeah, it, it whatever was catchphrase was popular. That's right. Time. Yeah, it was it was basically the first four movies crammed into one movie, which I was fine with. Um, and I wish that they would have done more with it because I, the, I would argue that the first half hour of the Friday the Thirteenth remake, uh, reboot whatever oh nine. Um, is stronger than several full entries into the Friday the 13th series. Agreed. Like, I think that there are feature-length Friday the 13th movies that are weaker than the the opening sequence. Like, the opening, uh, like, 30 minutes. Yeah, um, which is basically like a mini-movie. Yeah, oh, it's so good. Uh, and you don't... Movie, uh... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, you don't expect that going in, that you're going to have basically two movies in one, but it's awesome. Mm -hmm. okay. Well, doesn't the doesn't the Friday the 13th remake, or whatever the fuck you want to call it, doesn't yeah. it have the record for, like, the longest, the longest yeah. length into a movie before you see the actual title screen? I hope so, because I want that movie to have at least one record, besides best boobies, because it did have some a couple pretty good... Uh, booby shots in there but you know and one of my favorite awkward lines 
uh, in the history of Friday the 13th where he says, uh, your nipple placement is spectacular. <laughs> Which is just like the weirdest, weirdest possible thing to say. But, hey, he says it. I love the reboot cool imagining. Um, yeah. For if no other reason than, try as it might, part two never made Jason win overalls and a bag on his head. Scary. Uh, it just looked goofy. The reboot cool imagining. Uh, made that bag fucking terrifying. Yeah. That first opening 30 minutes, because he, spoiler, he doesn't have the mask yet. Uh, he's, he's wearing the bag with a hole in it. And it sounds ridiculous, but go watch it. Uh, creepy. Uh, and part of that is just, uh, was it, uh, David Mears? Uh, Derek. The actor? Derek. Derek Mears. I should know that. An amazing creature actor uh, who's one of those guys who never gets enough credit for the roles he's in. But he's been Jason Voorhees. He's been a predator. Bunch of stuff I'm forgetting right now. But he's a great actor. He's super, super nice guy in person, but like on screen, intimidating as fuck. He's as tall, if not taller than Koran uh, and just jacked. Uh, so like his physicality brings a lot to it. But that bag, like I always laugh when it comes up in two. Uh, and I, he was my favorite character on in the video game for a while, just because of the goofiness of Baghead Jason. But um, I can't say that about the reboot cool uh, Baghead because that thing is just scary. Uh, well, not an easy task. Derek Mears, uh, you're right. He was in that uh, amazing Hills Have Eyes remake yeah there you go which was just so good uh but yeah he's like terrifying he apparently has this uh this i I don't want to call it a disease but he's got this condition where like his body rejects hair Mm -hmm. so like he has no hair which makes him look kind of like really intimidating um and he's one of those guys that like he looks good bald so it's fine like he doesn't have to worry about <laughs> he it. He does like, look involved. Like if it was me, it would be like, ooh, it would be real bad. So I'm glad I don't have that condition. But um no, like it's it's so good. It's it's I, I like it a lot. Uh and it's part of the um uh I insert that and the My Bloody Valentine remake as um uh I insert them into a season of Supernatural when the brothers are fighting. Yes, and they're each like doing their own thing for a couple episodes. Like the Sam brother goes, breakup. Episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam goes to Camp Crystal Lake, and Dean goes to wherever the hell, like Valentine Bluff or whatever the hell it's called. Um, and then, like at the end of it, they they get back. They like they find each other again, and they decide that as always, they're better off together than they are separate. And then we just keep going with the season. So, or it's like a how I spent my summer vacation with them. <laughs> and then they come back and they're like, I fought a hockey mask killer. Oh, yeah, well, I fought a miner. But it, it was secretly me the whole time. Spoiler, uh, whatever, uh, for a 10-year-old movie. Oh, man, I was going to watch that. Song. Oh, it's awesome in theaters. The 3D was really good. Uh, but did not get into a showing, like, legitimately, of my, my bloody Valentine. Yeah, like, uh, we tried to go on a Friday night. And the 7 o'clock was sold out. And we were like, well, you know, the next showing they had was like 1040. And I was like, what about that one? They're like, yeah, that one sold out too. And that was over at the mall. So we called Regal. And they were like, not only are we sold out today, we're sold out for the entire weekend. 
Wow. It was, I guess it was one of like the first things that like really did 3d again. And it did it well. Like I will give them credit. Like they, like there's some 3d parts in that movie that are freaking awesome. <laughs> so I give them props, but. Oh, uh, Swamp Thing is the other Derek Mears. Oh well, yeah. He is, he is Swamp Thing in the. Good on him. He's got a good agent. So mad I didn't meet him. It's Gary Conco. Wait, he was, when was he there? I thought he was like two or three years ago. Because I would have had him sign my mask, but I didn't. Pretty get, sure. No, I know Ken Kersinger was. Jeff, from Freddy vs. Jason, Ken Kersinger was there. But I don't remember. Der- if he was there, I'm going to be pissed because I missed my chance to get him to sign that mask. Damn it all. Well, that just sucks a butt. 2012. Was he really? Oh, was that the year that I... It was that long ago. Was that the year that I ended up not going because of a car accident? I believe that, yeah. You were trying to get here. Damn it. It took a literal act of uh, of, uh, God. Kentucky Transportation Department woman uh, driving like an asshole to keep me from going. Wrecking my car. It's one of my saddest Facebook pictures, by the way, is the picture of that car. <laughs> where, like, the tires all just, like, jacked up, and everyone's just like, oh, my God, how are you alive? And I'm like, yeah. It's a thing. But you are, that's all I'm Yeah, you know, it's a thing. Um, let's see, what else, uh, what other Friday the 13th do I wish that we would have gotten? Um... <sighs> You know, I know we're going to, like, I want to save, I'm not going to talk about any of the Freddy versus Jason drafts, because that's its own episode, is the road. Book about it. Yeah, the road to Freddy versus Jason, like, we'll get to those at another time. Um, Like, those are really my big ones. I just, here's what I really want. Oh, go ahead. So we kind of touched on this in the previous episode where we did the uh, fix a film, but I'd still love to see it again. We talked Cam Crystal Lake in the winter, but and Jason takes Manhattan or you know, basically Jason outside of his usual Cam Crystal Lake in the woods setting yeah, uh, done right. And depending on what the setting is, could work really well. To, to see things change, you know, to see him out of his comfort zone a bit. I, again, I think him in, in a city would be different, but it could be done. I also think, you know, flip coin of that, you know, Jason in like a, a confined area, you know, Jason on the boat. Well, uh, we kind of repeated that a little bit with Jason X, where it's Jason on a spaceship, but. Oh, like, you know, didn't have that, you know, tight. Um, claustrophobic feel like an alien movie. Um, but again, just moving him outside of, of that setting. Yeah. There's some interesting stuff. you. There is like, uh, I'll tell you what I really want for a show. I'm going to pitch this idea right now. And okay. I, know, I know legally it would never happen, but you <laughs> limit it to a six episode, like event series. Okay. okay? And what it is is it's a it's a guy 
who is tasked with he uh as soon as i say this you're going to get where i'm going with this you're going to get to the end but that's okay okay uh it's his first day in his new job he just got his real estate license and in order to keep his job he has to sell the six hardest to sell properties that no one's been able to sell in the entire company and one of them is cabin space at camp crystal lake one of them is 1428 elm street one of them is the uh the hewitt house in texas uh and you pick like six famous one of them's the uh the psycho house um and so you just go to like you pick six like iconic buildings throughout horror and the guy has to sell each one like each episode is him trying to sell that property and running into all the problems that come with that particular property I think that would be the greatest series of all time. I feel like either you do one building a season and, and play with it, or that's just like a, uh, a series. I'm just like the world's most unfortunate realtor. Yeah, where he's like, man, I finally sold that cabin at Camp Crystal Lake. Thank goodness. Now I got my job. And they're like, yeah, well, we just got this new one in. It's like like the red folders. Or like the never sells, and like he, so he has to go through and sell those. Um, and like the next one's fourteen twenty eight Elm Street. You got to get on that. And he's yeah, like, the Overlook Hotel in Colorado. Yeah, see, like those. And he's just like son of a bitch. And like, the Exorcist House. Yeah. And so yeah, it's like his. He's trying to get. And so like you know he has like showings, and he tries to do like like he has cookies out so people will come to the open house, but like no one will come to the open house because it's friggin' you know the Elm Street House or whatever. And so he has to come up with all these real creative ways to bring people in and like cover up the blood stains and stuff. Oh my gosh. It'd be a, it, it would be a hit shutter. We're available. <laughs> we, we can do Myers that. We are willing and we are willing to sell out. Yeah. Oh yeah. The Myers house is in the, yeah. Oh, we're definitely willing to sell out. Uh, so yeah, we would develop like six or eight, um, uh, what's the one, uh, what's the, uh, Amityville Horror House, the Ocean Avenue, whatever that address is, um, uh, yeah. like that one. Um, so yeah, you, you get like eight or 10, like iconic buildings throughout horror <laughs> and like his, has, his job is to, there, has to, there has to be an in joke in the, the Myers house episode where every time we come back to the Myers house, it's changed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Didn't this used to have a third floor? No. <laughs> I don't remember this house being such a mansion before. What? what, what, what isn't that the door Ceiling the high enough to hide a net in? Yeah, that's new. Uh, hold on. It, it looks like the original one when he eventually gets there. But when they're like, yeah, here are the blueprints. And they just yeah. set down all these ones that are completely <laughs> mismatched. Yeah, he's like, this one and then this one. And he's then like, which one? one of these are the right one? <laughs> I love it. See, yeah, we're available to to shoot this show. Production can start as soon as the contract is signed. We're good. What a hell of a good show. Uh, Well, while we're talking about shows and Friday the 30th, we never got to... Yes! I almost forgot about this! And you know more about it than I do, so I'll I'll, I'll pitch it and let you uh, take a swing at it. But uh, there was in... Was it season three or four? Season three. Season three is supernatural. There was planned, scripted, and in pre-production. Yep, a 
the Winchesters go to Camp Crystal Lake episode. Yeah. And uh, the reason that it didn't happen is you can thank the writer's strike. Because uh, that was the year that what was it, like 08, uh, where yeah. there was a writer's strike and all of the TV show seasons got cut like in half. Mm-hmm. And you them with, what, like 16 episodes instead of 20. Yeah, and some of them only got like twelve or thirteen episodes. Like some yeah. of them got like a like a literally like a half season, and that was one of the episodes that got cut. Part of it was because they were already running into um, like the legal loopholes, like the legal barriers with the Friday the Thirteenth franchise, uh, which was which is a problem that we'll get to in a, in a few minutes, uh, but. Yeah, the idea was like the script was written out. They were like it was part of their production schedule, and they were ready to go. Uh, and it was just it was one of the victims of the writer's strike. I, I think there, it probably would have. I don't know that it ever would have made production anyway. But the writer's strike is like the writer's strike was their reason to cut it. Uh, but yeah, basically that they would have gone to Camp Crystal Lake and it would have been like a, like meta, like, yeah, I've seen the movies, but the movies are based on a real thing that happened. And it would kind of, it was supposed to be like a, um, like the movies are that Jason was an urban legend. Right. Right. The, like the the, movies, those early seasons were very much based in urban legends are true. Yeah town has a ghost story but they're all true kind of thing and yeah that was supposed to be one of those like yeah the movie was a bit dramatized but like it's based on something that really happened uh and they show up and jason's there and you know hilarity ensues uh but unfortunately yeah the 2008 writer's strike uh put uh it did what uh nobody has been able to do at this point and it killed jason Voorhees in the world of supernatural so, but fortunately, cool. we got to see one of the Winchesters fight Jason. So at least we got <laughs> half of that episode, yeah. kind of. That, that's how we got jacked up, uh, Sam. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm supposed to fight Jason. I should probably put some weight on. Yeah, I should probably lift some weights. Get on that Ryan Reynolds Blade Trinity diet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, that one, that was a, a huge missed opportunity that I think would have been fun. Uh, there was also that, um, uh, Camp Crystal Lake web series or uh CW series that was going to come out. Oh, I don't remember that. Uh, where Sean Cunningham was, was like at the helm of it. It was a, like a literally like a Friday the 13th show. And it was all about like people going to Camp Crystal Lake and running into Jason. Uh, and it, it was like, they, they would of course it never really it never started production of course but uh mm-hmm. it was like heavily in development and it was in development for a little while uh and then it kind of went off the rails and then we had this legal fight and so yeah like it's it's dead like it's it's not happening but you can go back and you can google you can throw it in your google machine about the friday the 13th uh <laughs> tv series the CW series and read up about the history of it. And like, it was actually going to be kind of interesting and it would have been a fun, different take on Jason. And I remember being so excited at the potential for it, but well, that's what not to really be. piqued my interest about the supernatural episode is 
what would their take on Jason have been? Like how, because again, like I said, you know, the first few seasons of, of that show were very much based in, you know, urban legends that yeah, every town has, and we all know them are real. And this is sort of like the truth behind the fiction. You know, there's a, uh, a bloody Mary episode with mirrors and all that, like kind of, that was their wheelhouse the first few seasons before, yeah. you know, angels and demons and the apocalypse and all that shit. Um, so it would be really interesting to see them, you know, roll into a town, supposedly the basis for Crystal Lake. You know, how much of that would they have skewed as true? How much would they have tossed out? Uh, I'm assuming, you know, was it a killer? Was it a supernatural being? Was it like, you know, ghost of it? You know, again, how would they have taken that mythology and skewed it for their show? It would have been really interesting just to see how much a different take on the on the material, which I, you know, basically would have been like a what if Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, and we love what ifs. So uh, yes, uh, yeah, I, I would have loved to have seen you know the Winchesters in uh, Blairstown, New Jersey, which is where a majority of the the shots were done and they would have been like oh yeah i remember that's the, like that that's the diner that they ate at and like that's the archway like that's the cemetery and like stuff like that yeah. they were like yeah like they use that for shooting but i know it's not real but it is and, and well yeah and like you can play it up like one of the, you know like dean is a big fan kind of or sam, sam is more uh, skeptical about it like you right. know tons of ways you could have played the human um, I love that's a script I would love to get my yeah damn writer strike thanks for nothing yep. literally <laughs> thanks for nothing <laughs> gosh uh, yeah do we have any more missed opportunities That's all I'm trying to think of a good missed connections joke, but I got nothing. <laughs> well, so we've talked about what we liked that's been done. Uh-huh. We've talked about things that haven't been done that we would like to see or we would have liked to see. I think the the best way to wrap this episode up is to find out and get the latest on where we are as to what we could see when. Yeah, because we we've made mention of it before on the show. We've talked about it like here and there. Is this Friday the Thirteenth rights battle, basically between two people, Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham? And they are at the heart of this, and basically the crux of the argument when it boils down to it is Congress passed a law. And it's basically, at its core, it's basically like the second chance for content creators law. And what it basically is, is if you've created something that you have then sold the rights to, to a company, after a certain amount of time, you can then file under this law and get those rights back. And... So Victor Miller, who is credited as the writer of the first Friday the 13th, and then in subsequent movies, you will see the credit based on characters created by Victor Miller. 
announced like, hey, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm going to get my rights back. He got paid like something like dirt cheap. It was like five grand or something for the script, the original script. And has not seen barely anything else since then. Meanwhile, you know, Friday the 13th as a franchise has gone on to make billions of dollars wanting to reclaim his rights and get, you know, a a good chunk of that money going forward. Victor Miller filed a lawsuit to get those back, the rights back under that law. And Sean Cunningham disputes that and, uh, you know, tried to get the lawsuit dismissed. And um, Sean Cunningham is the producer director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He directed the first one and is a producer on like all the rest of them. Um, and so uh, he he tried to block it, saying that um, uh, at the time Victor Miller was um, like v- Victor Miller, like w- whatever reason underneath the the certain rules, like did not does not qualify to sue to get those rights back. So. Where we stand is uh, several months ago, uh, a judge, because here's the thing about this law is this is literally the first instance of this law being tested in court. So like everybody's kind of figuring out how this works as they go. And so... um, Basically, what happened was a judge sided with Victor Miller and basically has said that, you know, the judge thinks that Victor Miller should get the rights back. Sean Cunningham filed an appeal and Victor Miller had a deadline of um, September 4th to file a rebuttal to that appeal. And he did, uh, like that day, like the last day, Victor Miller filed an appeal, which in the legal, in the legal term called a brief. So Victor Miller filed his brief, uh, in that appeal. Uh, it was filed late. Boxer briefs or yeah. Yeah. Boxer briefs. Uh, Yeah. Uh, and, um, Victor won at trial at a, on a summary judgment and the court, ruled basically that uh, when when Victor Miller wrote the original Friday the 13th script, he did it as a work for hire, which is like the crux of this whole thing is like Victor Miller says that he did it as a work for hire. So that entitles him to different rights. Uh, So here's where it gets really interesting. Sean Cunningham in his uh, like in, in this whole thing, is saying that because Victor Miller's contract was under WGA jurisdiction, Victor must automatically be considered as an employee and not a work for hire because only employees can be covered under union contracts. And basically Victor Miller's uh, response and in his brief, it it's basically um, three different parts. Uh, the first part is, that's fucking stupid. Um, 
Second is there's literally no legal support for any of that. And he just kind of made that shit up that uh, uh, work for hires uh, don't get the uh, the benefits. Uh, and three is uh, that's absolutely not in line with U.S. copyright law in the slightest. Uh, so the rest of the brief kind of breaks down, um, factors that are taken into account when an author is an employee, uh, versus an independent contractor under U S law, which is super standard. And, uh, basically everybody who kind of knows what's going on and is familiar with how, like with this process, uh, sees that Victor Miller has a much better argument. And that uh, he's probably going to win the appeal and uh, get those rights back to the Jason character, uh, the Pamela Voorhees character, uh, and a couple other uh, assorted things. So what does that basically mean? Uh, It means that uh, Sean Cunningham now has to file a reply brief by September 28th. And then when he does, the court is going to schedule oral arguments, uh, which everybody who's in the know is expecting that to be probably January or February. Uh, So the projected date for a final decision is probably May or June of 2020, uh, which is just kind of an educated guess based upon the timeline of, you know, brief versus rebuttal brief versus setting a time that calendar. So somewhere in that neighborhood, unless it gets sped up, you can probably look for a decision sometime, maybe around there, educated guess ish. So it's going to be a minute before we get anything more Friday, the 13th related for a little while either way. But until all of these rights get sorted out, Um, and then there's the part of this only applies to the United States. So what you could basically end up with is a Friday, the 13th movie in the United States without Jason and without Pamela Voorhees or a movie with those two without the Friday, the 13th name, but then internationally, like anything goes and you could have a Friday, the 13th movie with Jason and all of that and everything kind of stays the same. So, all who currently, sorry, who currently has what in this um, weird split? Until it gets officially decided, um, I believe Horror Inc. and Sean Cunningham still own the rights uh, until this to final decision is made to the everything? Friday. Yeah, till the Friday the Thirteenth name and all the characters and stuff. Horror okay. Inc. owns it all, but it's in limbo right now. And kind of the way that the this case is proceeding is nobody's allowed to make anything new. Like you have to use existing things uh, and you can't do, you know, new Jason stuff um, until this is all settled because technically right now, because the rights are in question, it, mm-hmm. the, the rights ownership is kind of in limbo. So wasn't there a weird scenario Previously, where this isn't the reason that Jason X is called Jason X 
didn't call it Friday the Thirteenth. That is correct because then, okay. uh, Jason goes to hell. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and that's why they had to they they uh, shoehorned in the final Friday in there, uh, which weird if you go Friday Friday after or Friday next Friday Friday after next. The Jason goes to hell. The final Friday. It's a really fucking weird quadrilogy. Um, have a he's on the mailbox and <laughs> was that a legal thing that they couldn't spell it the correct uh, way? I think I think it's spelled differently for yeah. Yep, and uh, so yeah, it's like the the history of that has always been weird and like if you if you listen very carefully to the crystal lake documentary uh the crystal lake memories documentary uh sean cunningham always talks about uh he had to go to the guys in boston uh when they were they were doing a new movie and those like those guys apparently there's some group that has uh a percentage interest in Friday the 13th stuff. So like, it's all really weird. Like the, the rights are just so jacked up and this is not helping. So who knows like what else it's going to look like. It's an interesting case to be sure, because like you said, it sets precedent for going forward as to much does a writer. Yeah. Um, It has the the potential to like shake up the entire Mm-hmm. You know, writers guild and like entertainment writing and like uh, work for hire stuff. Like the implications of this one case that a lot of people aren't even really following is pretty big. Because when you look at stuff like you know the MCU, that's all pretty secure because you're writing an adaptation of a pre character. Okay, fine. But like, yeah. and granted, you know, this is a whole, the whole other debate of you know IP being made anymore, but. If, if if we wrote a script that's an original IP and then a studio buys the script from us and greenlights it to a film, how much ownership do we as writers have versus the studio who bought it from us? Right. It's interesting. That could open a whole quagmire. Yeah. Like uh, it's, it's a, it's a much bigger story than I think uh, some people are really giving it credit for. Like it has really big implications uh, and also this whole thing about like getting basically a second stab at the Apple for yeah. if you've got a creation that you make and then you sell it to a company or like they, you know, like they hire you to do something and they get the rights and then you want them back because, you know, you, you sold it like you criminally undersold it because like you wanted, you know, you wanted them to make it into a movie or whatever. Uh, so you sell the rights for kind of on the cheap and then they turn it into like this billion dollar empire. And then you're kind of like, yeah, but all I got was 10 grand for it. I kind of want it back. Like that mm-hmm. opens up a whole new thing, which is just kind of crazy. So there's a lot to it. There's a lot to, to, to kind of unpack with it. But, uh, and also uh shout out for a lot of those updates. I got to give credit where it's due uh, to uh, Larry Zerner, who was uh, Shelley Finkelstein, by the way. Uh, in yeah. Friday the 13th part three, he's now a, a Hollywood entertainment lawyer. Um, and he's been providing updates, uh, with a lot of the, like, he's been following it really closely and kind of giving his opinions, uh, based on what he's seen. Uh, so he's been really, really good and informative about all of this, but like, yeah, widespread implications on this. 
And it, it mirrors something that happened in the 90s comic books where you started getting the push for creator-owned stuff. Yeah. Uh, like Todd McFarlane dropping out of Marvel, creating Image Comics. Yep. Uh, on Spawn, Lock, Stock, and Barrel, because he was tired of his work or other you know, places being owned by, you know, if I go to Spider-Man and write this awesome Spider-Man story, but Spider-Man isn't mine, it's Marvel's, and, and right. um, that led to a whole revolution in the comic book industry in the 90s, uh, where you had, and then, sorry, not Image, Image Comics was founded that way, but I don't think Todd, like, he started his own company, I think. Comics, I could be wrong, I don't but similar scenario where, where writers and illustrators were fed up with not owning the content they created for you know DC and Marvel, fed up with the man. Yeah, and they wanted more creative control of the characters that they created, and they left those major comic book companies and started their own you know upstart comic book companies that that were free from the leash of the man, which led to that whole big '90s comics thing where you know every name is misspelled and has an X in it and yeah. everyone has pouches on pouches on pouches. Yeah. Everything pluralized ends with a Z. Gross. Yeah. Gross. But interesting parallels there. Yeah. yeah so Thank uh, you for the update, Shelly, yeah. the man who yeah. gave Jason. Right. Uh, and so as, as more stuff happens with that case, uh, as more uh, developments continue to be made public uh we will definitely be uh keeping we'll, we'll pass that along and uh mm-hmm. report on that and hopefully uh by the time the next friday the 13th rolls around we'll have a, a another update like a big substantial update on that um for sure that'd be fun so uh, so with that i think i think we're about done i believe that's about it i um uh, I think, yeah, I think we've slowly find another Friday the 13th uh, song to play. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know what we can do? Watch this. Uh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll pick one from the same movie. You ready? Uh, yes. So what we'll do is we'll, um, we'll end this uh, with not the way we normally do, but we'll end it with another Friday the 13th Part 6 jam. Uh, and another, uh, oh, there it is. We'll end it with, uh, I believe this was at a point with, uh, John Travolta's nephew. Uh, in part six. Another Alice Cooper classic, Young Franken, or Teenage Frankenstein. Young Frankenstein is something totally different. Sorry, that's my bad. That's on me. But uh, we'll send it out on this Friday the 13th. I hope uh, everybody really enjoyed it. And you can reply to uh, this posting with your favorite Friday the 13th movie. Did we get it right? Did we get it wrong? What's your favorite Friday the 13th movie? And uh, I think with that, I think we're done. Uh, I do believe this is the birth of a new tradition, so there'll be a lot more 13 yeah. special. Oh, yeah. A lot of the topics we haven't even touched on this Friday yeah. the 13th. There's a lot. Series. 
<laughs> best kills, best characters, best movies. Um, favorite, yeah. favorite Jason actors. Um, favorite supporting characters. Best final girls. Like you could go on forever with uh, Friday the Thirteenth stuff. So expect a lot more Friday the Thirteenth stuff from Talk Nerdy to me. Is basically what we're saying. Got a 